This is a very somber and very different beginning to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast than we traditionally bring you. But it's for a very good reason. One that has been affecting the United States and the world as we know it for the last couple of weeks. For anybody that's listened to the IPC podcast in previous episodes, you know that we tend to be a place of solace or escapism to get away from the craziness of the world. To listen to a couple of guys talk about a movie or a TV show and let you escape the reality. But this reality is inescapable. And tonight we address that and so many other things here on the IPC podcast. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. My name is Zach, and joining me tonight, as he always has, is my co-host and my friend. Please welcome Mr. Ben Hart. How's it going, guys? Yeah, it's been a week, and since we last talked to you guys, a lot's happened. And we do have something fun lined up, as, as we usually do, towards the end of the show to talk about. But in the meantime, we can't move forward without talking about stuff that you guys all, by now should all know or about to bring up and you know it, it just wouldn't feel right without addressing this full on and talking about it and having you know yeah it's you know this kind of stuff it's uncomfortable to talk about it's awkward to talk about but it needs to be talked about it needs to be addressed and I hope we can bring something to the table tonight because I think so many so much is being said tonight and has been for the past couple of weeks, and uh, you know this is just our takes, but hopefully, can bring some kind of solace in adding to the voices of support for what's been going on, and uh, you know a, a positive voice. I think that's the goal that we're going to set ourselves out to. Uh, it doesn't mean that we're going to be the very best at it. It doesn't mean that uh, we're experts or social justice warriors or politicians or anything like that we're just three dudes with a platform and there are a lot of people out there who don't have this kind of platform there are a lot of people out there who don't have this kind of opportunity and uh, i just feel like we would be remiss if we didn't take advantage of the platform and the opportunity that we've been given and uh, i hope that you guys feel that we're not going to end up abusing it in some way but i i really think that Addressing these things and choosing to have the tough conversations are always the best step. But I said we are three dudes talking about this tonight. And so let's bring in the third dude who's been uh, with us for a very long time. And he's back with us again tonight. Please help us welcome Mr. Jake Damon. Hey, fellas. I, I know I'm not speaking just for myself when I say this year has just been so exhausting so far. We're six months into 2020 and it's been right. one thing after another. And um, this this whole uh, George Floyd situation, uh, which has sparked so many you know riots, uh, protests, uh, they haven't all been mobs or anything like that. They've there have been peaceful ones. There have been some pretty crazy ones. But it was just kind of a, a domino that started a whole sequence of events uh, in our country. Um, and it was just like uh, one more big thing this year that has just made uh, this year just extremely exhausting. Um, but I think that 
I think that what's going on right now is necessary. It, it's a hard thing for sure, but it's going to be, I think, a necessary, uh, you know, th- thing to make make us pr- progress as uh, as humans and as a society and this is one of those things that is going to be in the, in the history books. We're seeing history play out right in front of our eyes. And, um, but I, I do, I hope that we can all learn from this and grow as people. And I'm, I'm actually happy to be able to talk about it today because, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm particularly qualified to discuss it, uh, just personally, but anything that I can do or that we can do to shine a light on not only the issue, but how, how to make progress as people and to, and to speak uh, fondly of, of black people as a group and, and, and just help, help them, you know, in this time of need, I think that I'm happy to be able to do anything I can. Yeah. And, you know, and as you said, like, we're not qualified to be authorities on pretty much anything, but especially this. But I think adding our voices to the movement that has that has really amped up, which is Black Lives Matter. Um, and that's what we want to say here tonight is Black Lives Matter. And we can kind of get into kind of our thoughts later, kind of, you know, on the different subjects. But it really doesn't matter. Ultimately, it matters just adding our voices for support, using our platform, as as Zach said, to prop this up. And, you know, not everyone is in our position. You guys are awesome. You listen to us every week. You support us. And we are privileged to be in this position. So we would be remiss not to take this opportunity just for a few minutes to address this because we love everyone that has been affected by this. And you know, want to want to try to make the world a better place. We all say that it's so sappy, but it's true. It's I true. think this is this is the point where the rubber hits the road. You put your money where your mouth is. How can we actually make the world a better place? Doing stuff like this, talking about things like this, and doing so in a respectful, positive, constructive manner is important. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And for those of you who have listened to the IPC podcast before, you know that one of our most iconic segments usually happens at the very, very end of the program. But there's actually a very special reason why we're bringing this segment to the very top of the show. And that is a segment called Barbecue Watch. Mm-hmm. Now, for those of you who haven't listened to the show before, Barbecue Watch is usually geared towards uh, talking about some kind of barbecue component that is pertaining to food, to drink, to to something related to barbecue. Because, Ben, you work in a barbecue restaurant. I'm exactly. from Texas, and, uh, and barbecue is kind of a staple in Texas. And so, you know, on, on a regular program, the, the barbecue segment is something fun and whimsical. But tonight, the barbecue segment is actually going to be a little bit different because there was a barbecue-related fatality the other day. 
And uh, I think this is a great segue into talking about what we have intended to talk about here at the at the top of the program. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to read you a, a Facebook post that's pertaining to the news element itself. Um, in Louisville, there was a protest, Louisville, Kentucky, that happened a few days after the death of George Floyd. And we're going to get to George Floyd and, and his story and, and the spark that has ignited nationwide. Um, but one of one of the losses that was suffered during those protests was a man by the name of David McAtee, not McAfee, like the antivirus software McAtee. And he owned a popular barbecue business in Louisville, Kentucky. In fact, it is it has been confirmed by people that eat there on a regular basis that he actually comped the meals of local police officers that came in there to eat. Wow. So anytime, anytime a peace officer was there, the meal was on David. And he was killed on the evening of uh, May 31st into June 1st. And mm-hmm. um, it was actually on the corner where he sold his barbecue. Uh, he was not at a protest. He was simply at his business, and there were members of the community that happened to be close by. And he's the, the, the people from the community say that it was a regular Sunday night crowd just going there to have dinner. And uh, his he, he was caught in the crossfire during, during a protest that was happening close by. And he was actually um, shot and killed right outside of his restaurant. And here's the most damning and insulting thing out of all of it. There were several members of the National Guard and the local police department that were in full riot gear tending to the protest. And not one of them within any kind of proximity of David McAtee. Not one of them. Not a single one had their body cams on Mm. wow and that is policy especially during a protest like that it's policy to have your body cams on in order to stay accountable to the public and to the goings-on and they did not do that nobody anywhere near david mcatee had their body cams on and as a result the louisville community lost who they dubbed barbecue man Mm. and i i just i don't even know where where to go from this because that in itself is just it's it's an affront to me it's it's an affront to to the community it's an affront to saying that you're there to keep the peace, which is what IPC is all about. We're all about intergalactic peace. It, it's an affront to the idea of, of of presenting yourselves as keepers of the peace during a protest. And to make matters worse, guys, the the articles and information that I have been reading up on through social media and various websites said that his body lay on the ground for 12 hours before being tended to by medical personnel. Awful. Awful. So this this is this is one of the reasons just just one of the many 
but Matt McAtee wasn't even a part of the protest guys. He wasn't even, he wasn't even participating in what was going on. And he still suffered the consequences of the actions of irresponsible people and irresponsible cops who didn't even have the courtesy or the decency to cover their own butts in the event of an accident or an unfortunate circumstance like this. And now it's like one domino after another. Obviously George Floyd was the one who started all of it, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't let a, a barbecue businessman go without being honored during our barbecue element. So our condolences to David's family, our condolences to the Louisville community who are going to miss him and his work and his, uh, and his love for the community. It's just, it's heartbreaking to think about that and to think about what else is, has the potential to transpire as we get deeper and deeper into this and, and this movement and the protests that are going on on a regular basis. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, the tragedy involved, you know, revolving around George Floyd is awful and, you know, n nothing more needs to be said there in regards to like what happened. I think we've all seen the video at this point and it's awful to watch. It's like, but it's, it's also all these protests and even unfortunately the riots are not just about George Floyd. They are about David McAtee. They are about all these people that unfortunately live in fear and, and more often not live in fear of the police that seem to not even care about them, not even care uh, that they live or die and a lot of times contribute to their deaths or, or straight up kill them. And in, in very brutal ways, like we saw with George Floyd. So, you know, that's the thing. And ultimately, the, you know, the, the battle cry has been for the last few days, especially has been justice for George Floyd. And, you know, I would say add to that justice for everyone, for any family that has to, for anyone that has suffered this tragedy any family that has to suffer this tragedy and just to make sure it doesn't happen again because this stuff happens way too often, way too much and now it, it's just getting put on camera and, you know, if that person on the sidewalk hadn't, you know, been videotaping at the time of what happened to George Floyd, we may not even be sitting here talking about this and that's not to say that we don't care but it's the fact that we, we, you know, a lot of people didn't know to care. You know, it, it's, it's all in the sense of we're all wrapped up in our own little lives just dealing with this. And unfortunately, black Americans who have been talking about this for a long and, and unfortunately get ignored a lot, ha, ha, this is their life. This is how they have to deal with this. this they have to go out on the streets and, and deal with fearing for their lives. And that's awful. And that's the whole reason behind this is you know, black lives matter. And, you know, some people might say, you know, in, in response to this, oh, well, 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 all lives matter. And I, 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 I get where you're coming from. You're not wrong. But right now, black lives are the ones that are being taken far too much at a far too rapid rate. And that's when it doesn't mean that black lives 
only matter. It means Black Lives Matter too. That's the distinction. And yeah. I think we we got to thing. And, and if you're truly concerned with all lives, you need to get behind this because that's that's what this means. That's what this means. This that, this means that that black lives to some people in powerful positions with guns maybe don't have black lives up to the standard of everyone else and that's wrong and that's that, that's the problem that that is the inherent issue that that we face uh in in our society i feel like is if the statement all lives matter were taken seriously then we wouldn't even be having the black lives matters discussion in the first place right right because they'd be included in that. We wouldn't even be having this conversation in the first place if all lives truly mattered. If all lives truly mattered to everyone across the board, we would not be having this conversation in the first place. Right. Because there are still people out there that it doesn't matter to them. They're going to hide behind a phrase rather than choose to stand up and do something about it. Yes, all lives do matter. No, not all of them are in danger right now. There are so many great analogies that I've seen on the Internet that, that have so much cultural relevance, like uh, the, the one with the house on fire. Do you guys know the one about the house? I've, on I've seen exact one. I, I love that one because it's like, yes, all houses matter, but it's this particular house over here that's on fire right now. So what you're going to do is you're just going to do a blanket coating of water across every house. And just douse every house in water, and every house is going to get an equal amount of water, even though this is the one that's burning to the ground right now? Literally. Literally, this is the house. This is the group. This is the people that are facing oppression and are being killed for doing nothing. That is the best analogy I've heard so far. I've, I, I heard another one that was also really cool about the rainforest. A friend of mine posted this on his Facebook earlier today about how the, the rainforest is in need of saving. But that doesn't mean that we discount um, all other forests, you know? Right, right. Are, are you going to be going around and, and saying, um, you know, save the rainforest? Oh, no, we need to save all forests. Well, yes, in, in theory, we need to save all forests. But it, right now, it's the rainforest that's in danger. Right. right now, it's black lives that are in danger. Yes, we need to save the whales, but that doesn't mean we're going to start a movement to save all animals. Right. You, you yeah, know, it's there, it's, there it's are, the it's the concept of highlighting and giving attention to the thing that needs the attention, and it, it's like if you have a broken leg, you know, you don't you don't put both legs in a cast. You fix the leg that is broken, and it. It's just it. You can find examples of this all throughout your life and all throughout nature and all this. It, it you show attention to something that needs it, and that's the meaning behind hashtag Black Lives Matter. And that that's something that it took me a while to understand fully. I think. Me too. Um, me too. You, you know, not not that I was opposite of that, but it was just like a. It needed to be explained better, I think, to me. And I, I've heard so many good explanations lately that have really helped me to see why Black Lives Matter is such an important thing. Yeah, and you know, it's it's just an it's unfortunate that so many people choose to use All Lives Matter as this kind of 
way to derail the conversation because mm-hmm. like you know obviously all lives matter all like that's that's a given but the fact of the matter is is that black lives are the most in danger right now yes you know and, and like as far as it goes <clears throat> yeah police brutality in general is bad and needs to stop and it needs to be limited but right now at the moment the th- those that are on that the most on the receiving end of police brutality are black americans and we need to support them we need to love them we need to stand up for them and say no this isn't right this is things what happened to george floyd should not and should never happen again and it, it we we've got to stand up for that and you know say look yes all lives matter but black lives matter because the the these people they're 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 living in fear they, they this is part of their life and that shouldn't happen that's not freedom we talk about freedom in this country that's that's not true freedom living in fear living you know not knowing if you're going to get pulled over by a cop and you know not knowing if that's that's going to end badly or thing you know the most you should fear a cop is oh crap is he going to give me a ticket like that should be the extent of fearing police and that goes for the idea of good cops I've known enough cops to know there's plenty of good cops out there, but it does them no disser- does them a huge disservice to have bad cops running around out there and besmirching their names and and ruining the reputation of the good cops. We should be able to trust the people that are supposedly to protect and 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 serve, and we can't tell them apart now from the ones that literally want to kill you. So right. it's it's just it's it's that distinction, and there's been a lot of progress in the past few days. There's been a lot of progress. There really has been. Um, we're going to get into that in just a second, but there still needs to be a lot more progress. There still needs to be a lot more. We need to keep this up, keep it going. No, not of course. Don't riot. That's not the answer. Violence is not the answer. But these protests, which have been mostly peaceful are doing the trick. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing and people need to wake up and think because that's what that was me. I, I, I didn't five, ten years ago, this wasn't an issue I really wasn't aware of. Right. But I'm glad that I've learned. I'm glad that I've listened and understood that this is really is an issue that has plagued so many people for so many years. And that's why I tell everyone, just listen. Stop if you don't know what to make of this, just listen. Listen to what people are saying. Listen to what black Americans are saying, what their experiences are, and yeah. how we can help them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. because that that's the thing is if we're being totally honest, this is this is one of the worst things that I've probably ever said on this podcast. And I've said a lot of of really uh, really weird and really bad things on this show before. But George Floyd's death was probably nothing out of the ordinary. George, You're not wrong. Right. George Floyd's yep. death is 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 not an anomaly in the way the policing system works right now. The only reason it's garnered so much attention is because of the advent of social media. Right. Because we now have people videotaping going on TikTok and, and Instagram and Facebook Live. There are people that are 
broadcasting their traffic stops just so that they've got their own personal body cam because the police don't have the decency to do it themselves. And this is the second time. I mean, the just horrifically sad words, the last words of George Floyd, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. That's gut-wrenching, man. And those words, he's not the first person to have those last words. You had Eric Garner just a few years ago, also was in a similar position, was held down by police, and ended up dying. And that's just the ones that were caught on tape. How many How many other people, how many other black men yep, or black exactly. women exactly. suffered similar fates? And we didn't know about it because nobody yeah. took video of it. And we didn't go to Twitter and Facebook and whatever. We didn't have protests because we didn't know who they were. And that's the sad thing. And the fact is, you know, it doesn't matter. This needs to be a thing of the past. We need to learn from this. We need to get over this. We need to be able to call out the bad cops and support the good cops and go yeah. and have confidence in our, our our police officers because we need them. We really do need police. And I know a lot of people may disagree with me. There's a lot uh, of the libertarian in me would disagree with you there. There's a there's a lot of different opinions and I'm I'm more than willing to have that discussion another day. I'm open to ideas at this point. I, but I, I, I that, go ahead. Well I was I was just gonna say that, that I think Maybe not more cops, but I think the ratio of bad cops to good cops needs to be 100% good cops, no racist cops. Well, it also yeah. going back That's, to these, yeah. going back to these jokes about like, is it was it Chris Rock that said, "Look, you know, I know cops have a bad job, but uh, you know, we 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 can't have a few bad apples. You don't you don't fly a plane and go, oh, he just they just sometimes." <laughs> Our pilots sometimes right. crash. Like, you need to have a good track record. You need to have things. And the more the stuff happens, the less confidence people are going to have in the cops to protect them, which they're supposed to do. And when that doesn't happen, you're dealing with more civil disobedience, more just F the police, all this kind of stuff. And and right now, th- that, that's being said more and more and more because, you know, and, and I feel bad for the actual good cops, but the good cops need to step up now they need to and there's plenty that have but more than need to do so to to make this right and to call out people next to them who are not doing right right and and please don't don't make it seem like i am just completely anti-establishment anti-cops whatever like it it was it was more in jest saying that the libertarian me would disagree because no 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 no, no, i i i I, I, I was being in jest too I, i i i think there's a there's a discussion. There are legitimately people out there saying, "Get rid of the cops," and I'm I'm like, "No, guys. I I think there's a happy medium. I think those right. are in be. in in haste. People tend to throw things out there that you know. And, and and right now, people are angry. People are very angry. They're sad. They're they're desperate. They want things to change. And you throw out desperate you know ideas for what needs to be done. Um, I, getting rid of all cops, I don't think is the answer. I think. Just making sure the cops that are there are doing right by the people they're they're supposed to protect. I I would say that, especially living in America, I I hold, Amer- I hold America to a higher standard than it acts and comes across as. But especially living in America, if you are an innocent person of any race, creed, uh, you know, 
color, sexual orientation, if you are living in fear of the system that is put in place to serve and protect you, that is that's not a good thing. And that's right. that's where so many people, especially the black community, live in fear of of our protective system every day and that's that's the sad part that's the shame that's the thing that needs to be changed right exactly well here's here's the 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 dilemma that i find myself in is i've got at least two or three friends that are in some sort of law enforcement first responder type of position and i know for a fact that they're not one of those bad apples like i i know them personally and oh, yeah. I, I honor too, and, yeah. and respect the, the, the dedication that they have to their community to put their life on the line every single day. I get that. And, and, I, and I do respect that. The problem is there, there, there are just so many people out there. And, and, and the other problem, not, not just the quote-unquote bad apples, but the fact that there really isn't any kind of prevention – put in place to keep those that you know gain a bad reputation in one town from going to another town and being a racist in another city in the US exactly because I, I I could be mistaken but I believe the cop that killed George Floyd had a previous record of incidents with black people not just in Minneapolis but in other communities as well. I, yeah. I I may be I may be misinformed on on that one entirely, so don't quote me on that. If that's true, that but, makes me question why he was even on the force at all. Exactly, exactly. That is my problem: is that there are other stories similar to that where you get accused of some kind of racial profiling or discrimination in one town, so you are you know you you, you resign from your post or you're dismissed from the from the force or whatever and you just move to the midwest if you were working on the east coast you move to the midwest you move uh way down south and you join some other small town that needs people on the force and you've got some police experience on your resume and then boom you end up getting a job as an officer somewhere else and you just get to go be a racist somewhere else right yeah and that's that all plays into justice accountability all these things of you know when when you know cops should be able to do their jobs but when they don't do their jobs when they when they step outside that line we should be able to shut them down they should right. not be going back on the streets they should not be given a gun back and they need to serve time just like anybody else in that perspective if you know if anyone in plain clothes put their knee on someone's neck and suffocated them i would hope and I would assume that they would go to go to go to jail for a very long time for murder, but yeah. the same cannot be said, and the same cannot be assumed when you're dealing with police. And that 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 assumption is what leads to this conversation we're having right now, and the fact that police people have no confidence in police, and the fact that they will pay for the crimes they commit, that they will be held mm-hmm. accountable. Right. There, there's some kind of diplomatic immunity put in there for law enforcement that's like, oh, well, they 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 work in the 
in the system, so the system's going to be kinder to them. It's some kind of fraternity that's like, oh yeah, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, right. and and you you find a way to weasel yourself into that system. And here's the deal, guys: law enforcement, in my opinion, is a a very very tough job that should require a lot more training than it currently has. Yeah. So to, my, so. to my to my knowledge, you go to an academy to do some mental and physical training for about six months, and then you pass the quote unquote police exam, and you are then put on probation. If, if they call it a probationary period, where you work with another cop for six to twelve months, and then once you do that, you're on your own. So you could become a police officer in your community, working completely on your own in front of the entire public and the entire community after 18 months minimum. Wow. And there are there are professions out there that require a four, six, eight-year degree medical school. You're in school for about 12 years. Mm-hmm. There, there are some, some very important jobs out there where people are putting their lives at risk or other people's lives at risk that require a lot more training and work than what our current police system has. And so I think part of the problem is not just the current racists that live within the law enforcement community, but also the fact that it is so easy to become a police officer. Like, aside from my asthma, which is a pre-existing condition, aside from that, it's feasible that I could work in law enforcement. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not anybody super special, and I'm sure that there are a lot of ordinary people that choose to go into law enforcement, but I think the screening process at the front end needs to be stronger, and I think that we need to have a better screening process once these people are found to have done some racial profiling at some point in their career. That's a black ball. That's a black spot on their mark that cannot be expunged no matter what part of the country they go to, and I don't understand why we don't have some kind of a database set up for that when we've got databases for just about every other thing. There are so many algorithms out there for crying out loud. I can think about getting guacamole on my Chipotle and I scroll through Facebook and there's a picture of an avocado in an advertisement. (laughs) It's true. Algorithms are everywhere and yet we don't have one that takes care of racial profiling in the police system. Right. I mean, what's this thing? I don't know how true some of it is or how accurate it is, but like, you know, you can you can find oh we're we're a convicted felon living near you or or a pedophile living near you or whatever like that. Like, those guys are kept track of. And I'm not really comparing the quote unquote crimes here, but there is a way to do this, and there is a way just to put this aside and go okay, you know, once one strike you're out when you're dealing. With a profession that you're giving someone a gun and the right to to enforce the law, they they got to go by that law, and they they're one strike you're out. Like th- there can be no second chances when it comes to that kind of stuff, especially right. when someone's life is on the line and when when someone is ends up dead. That's that's not right. So you know it, it's just ultimately. F- Fixing the system. There's so many systems, and so many of them are broken, and or at the very least in a state of disrepair, and they don't work for everyone. Uh, you know, and that's the whole thing is is pulling yourself out of this. And you know, 
us as white dudes, and just speaking for myself, like, I haven't experienced what black Americans experience. I've been pulled over a handful of times. I've had a handful of experiences with cops. They don't generally scare me. I don't, I don't, I haven't had those experiences, but I can only imagine what black Americans have to deal with and, and what they're dealing with. And, you know, you know, anyone, it doesn't, doesn't matter your skin color. No one should live in fear. No one should have to deal with this. No one should have to just, you know, deal with what they've dealt with. So, you know, I'm just rambling here at this point. There's, well, there's so many things to be said, and I think we've said a lot of them tonight. We but, have. And, and, not, and just, I just, yet, boy. <laughs> no, no, but I think it's important, I think, because I, I, I think, because uh, just real quick, the Star Wars Underworld podcast, as with many podcasts this week, we're just, we, we, we canceled it. And me, Chris, and Dominic, we came to the conclusion, hey, we're, we just don't feel right to do this. We don't feel right to, to do the podcast this week. We're just going to take the week off. We're going to come back next week, and, and we're going to say some stuff then. And Dominic kind of put it in the way. In a statement that he wrote, he had said, look, you know, three white guys talking about this, you know, just doesn't feel right. Like, just let's take a step back. Let's listen for a change. And I totally, like, I'm totally with him on that, and obviously that's the stance that we took at the Star Wars Underworld. But for, for us, I still think there is a... There's very it's very important for people like us that look like us to make statements on this stuff, to talk about this stuff, because there's a lot of people that are that are making opposite statements. There's a lot of people that are saying really horrible things. Go online, you will see them. And uh, you know, not for a second do I want any of you know black Americans anywhere, people that I know or otherwise, to think that I hold those views or any of us hold those views and it's important we got to talk we got to communicate and let each other know how much we mean to each other and, and I, that I, we're not with them yeah i i think it's important to remember and realize that no matter what what our skin color is we all have a role in this and we may not be the ones being oppressed but that means our role is to be not part of the group that is oppressing we need to stand up and show the world at whatever scale we're able to whatever platform we have to be able to to show that we don't support that type of behavior we don't support any anything wrong that is happening that is just obviously terrible things that other humans should never do to other humans we have to stand up and say we are not part of that, and it's not right. So n- you shouldn't be part of it either. Yeah, and and being in the position that we're in, as I was saying, like we don't necessarily experience what Black Americans experience right. because we're not black. That makes it all the more important for us to say something because we don't have to say something. We're right. not obligated. To say something, but because of that, we are obligated. I feel we are obligated to to step up and go, "Hey, I'm with you. I'm I I value you. that. That's that's ultimately what Black Lives Matter means to me is saying to anyone that is black in America, say you matter to me. You matter to me. Every one of you. Every yes, all lives matter, but especially you right now because some people, a point unfortunately in this country, do not value your life, but I do. Right. And I I think that's the whole underlying message of all of this is that human life has value 
and we should we should be doing our best as humans to protect each other and to to um just be be there for each other you know be there in in times of need be there stand up when we need to stand up and say something and just we we have to we have to treat each other like human beings exactly so i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna carry that momentum and take it one step further if if i may and this may be a little tangenty but it's something that's been weighing heavy on me for the last several days um this this concept of of three white dudes talking about this situation is almost the ironic epitome of white privilege right and, and yeah. yeah we 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 have the privilege of being on this show and, and using this as our platform to talk about a very delicate and, and tough situation and tough issue. Um, but we're also not going to sugarcoat it because I believe that we've, we've been hearing the black community talk about these issues for a long time, for a long time. I mean, look all the way back to Martin Luther King Jr. Long time and has stuff changed in that time not as much as it needs to exactly and, and so yeah. as as these privileged white boys that we are we now need to use that privilege to help our black brothers and sisters not oppress them we have the privilege of being able to stand up and speak out at rallies and protests and podcasts and have our voices heard for once we, we have the opportunity to say something and for that thing to be listened to it, rather than to have it smushed down and forgotten and cast aside. We now have the opportunity for these platforms to make a difference, to, to yes. actually mean something. And, and honestly, a few years ago, if you wanted to talk to me about white privilege, I, I really would have had a hard time conversing with you. Like the, the me of about three years ago would have been like, I really don't know what you mean by privilege because I'm working to get my degree. I'm working to maintain my job, to not lose my house. Like, I, I feel like I am in the thick of it as much as any other person. And then I saw this poster from a protest. I don't even remember which protest it was, but it, it, the, the, I know that this sounds terrible, but it was one of the things that just kind of drove the point home. So I'm going to read this poster off. It's kind of lengthy, but this this is the thing that kind of sealed the deal for me that helped me realize just how privileged I am and convicted me that instead of just sitting back and watching it happen, I need to be doing something about it. So listen to this. White privilege means I can do the following without fear of being harmed or killed and there's a list it says i can go jogging but ahmaud arbery couldn't i can be detained by police george floyd couldn't i can go bird watching christian cooper couldn't i can relax at home brianna taylor katherine johnson and even in my own hometown of fort worth a tatiana jefferson could not I can have a mental health crisis. Anthony Hill could not. I can defend my girlfriend from armed intruders. Kevin Davis could not. I can run unarmed from a police officer. And Walter Scott could not. I can play loud music. 
Jordan Davis couldn't. I can ask for help from a stranger. Renisha McBride couldn't. I can play with a toy gun. Tamir Rice couldn't. I can lawfully carry a weapon. Philando Castile couldn't. I can get a traffic ticket. Sandra Bland couldn't. I can walk home with Skittles. Trayvon Martin could not. I can party on New Year's Eve. Oscar Grant could not. I can go to church. The Charleston Nine couldn't. I can shop at Walmart. John Crawford couldn't. I can sell CDs. Atten Sterling couldn't. I can owe a fine. Nicholas Thomas couldn't. I can take out my wallet. Amadou Diallo couldn't. I can breathe. Eric Garner and George Floyd could not. Black Lives Matter. Drop the mic. End the show right here. Good night, everybody. Yeah. Powerful stuff. Wow. Yeah, and powerful. And so like, true. It, it, that's the stuff that gets to me. Like, I think about all of this, like relaxing at home. That's basically what I'm doing right now. And yet there are people in the black community that worry about relaxing at home. Yeah. There are people in the black community that have to think about whether a cop is going to gun them down for playing loud music or owing a traffic fine. There are people in the black community of the United States that don't feel like they can go jogging or that they can be out after dark or that they're safe at church or Walmart or just taking their wallet out of their pocket without police thinking that it's going to be a weapon and they need to gun them down. Yeah. What the hell is wrong with our country that any person has to live in fear of jogging or being pulled over or playing music or walking home with Skittles or having a New Year's Eve party? What the hell is wrong with our country if this is the type of fear that our neighbors, our brothers and sisters of a different skin color have to think about on a daily basis? It's just so messed up, dude. And this is why I wanted to use our platform tonight. Because, holy crap. Holy crap. Like, I, I just, I cannot fathom this. I literally cannot fathom this. My eyes have been opened now to the realization that I do live a very privileged life. Yeah. And it hurts me. It insults me. That I can go throughout the most common events of the day and not give it a second thought. Whereas this is part of a black person's personality. This is who they are. This is a part of them now. That any time something like this comes up, they have to stop and think about it. And that's just not right. It's like you said, Ben. Nobody should be living in fear, especially of things so commonplace like what I just listed. Nobody, nobody should be living in that kind of fear. And yet it's something that happens on a regular basis for a large portion of people in our country. And it's just wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. Very, very, very well said, my friend. And it it just needs to be said more by more people and we you know i know white privilege black lives matter those are 
Those are phrases that uh, if you say them out loud or say them online, they get certain people angry. And it shouldn't. We, we need to have conversations. We need to have conversations like this one. Because like I said, it's uncomfortable. It's awkward. But we need to have them. We need to communicate because, you know, ultimately, this is how we make a difference. It's, it's funny. I, I can't remember the guy's name for the life of me. And I'll try to, try to wrap this up with this. Try to leave it with this. And this is kind of a hopeful message of what I'm trying to convey here is there was this guy. I, I, like I said, I can't remember his name, but he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. It's not a podcast I normally listen to, but occasionally he'll have an interesting guest, and this was one of those guys. And this guy is, is a, was a black guy, and he spent years – basically, I don't know what he does for a living. His, his name is Daryl Davis. I just looked it up. Mm-hmm. And you can go just search Joe Rogan, Daryl Davis, literally one of the most incredible – podcast I've ever listened to and he talks about his life journey basically befriending members of the KKK this, wow. is a, this is a black man who befriended members of the KKK and he would just meet with them and talk to them and he has robes from them and has their stuff and talks about how how many of them he literally converted how many he literally led away from the path of being like high up members of the Ku Klux Klan. And that right there is, you know, just just the fact that he just sat down and talked to them. And that's how he won them over and and you know put put the fire out of their, you know, st- you know, just took down their racism was the fact that he just talked to them as a person. Yeah. And that's what we gotta do. We gotta do. We gotta talk to each other. We gotta understand each other a bit more, and understand that you know. Yes, there are plenty of people out there that are very racist, and those people should be absolutely condemned. But also, they're they they need to be. You know, we we should have hope for them that they can we can change their hearts, not just condemn them, not just put them in jail or whatever, but hopefully turn their hearts so that we all can be on the same page one day I know I'm a dreamer but it can happen and we it needs to happen it, if we're gonna have peace and I know intergalactic peace coalition is something that we talk about with fandoms and everything like that but like ultimately it all comes down to human beings and just having peace and that's the goal everyone to live peacefully and happily and that's what we want for black Americans right now. That's what this whole this is all about right now. But, you know, long-term goals, yeah, we got some stuff to do. Short-term goals, give some love and some understanding to black Americans and what they're going through right now. It's funny that you mentioned goals because there, there's, a, there's a couple more topics that, that I want to cover before we, we close it. Um, right. and, and goals are, are one of the things – that uh, have been very interestingly discussed and expressed over the last week or two. You know, we're, we're, we're going to these protests and we're, we're yelling, I can't breathe and Black Lives Matter and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, what, what is it going to do? What kind of change could actually happen? And uh, the NAACP actually posted a, a request of, of what it is that these – uh, that these statements that these protests are are meant 
to be talking for that, that what they are meant to be pushing for um this is this is what we're demanding this is an update from the official twitter page of the NAACP it says we are demanding a ban on the use of knee holds and choke holds as an acceptable practice for police officers Number two, the use of force continuum for any police department in the country must ensure that there are at least six levels of steps with clear rules on escalation. Number three, each state's Open Records Act must ensure officer misconduct information and disciplinary histories are not shielded from the public. Recertification credentials may be denied for police officers if determined that their use of deadly force was unwarranted by federal guidelines. And number four, implementation of citizens review boards in municipalities to hold police departments accountable and build public confidence. There you go. I, yep. I, These are I, the building blocks. It, it's, it's a first step, at least. That and the conversations. And that's the cool thing about these protests that have happened some of them like in minneapolis and a couple of other cities i want to say atlanta has has been hit pretty hard with uh with rioters and looters even dallas my own my own area has been hit by it to a certain degree but a lot of them have been able to provide opportunity for conversation and listening and understanding and engagement and and just trying to come to a better place like you're like you're talking about ben and that that is one of the encouraging things about these protests and i'm curious we we've had protests in my in my main hometown of arlington we've had protests in dallas and fort worth and and i'm willing to talk about them but i'm, I'm curious where you guys live because we're all in different parts of the country ben you're you're in mississippi jake you're in pennsylvania i'm in texas what what is the current political climate in your community right now jake i'm going to toss it to you first have you observed anything special or interesting or different from the protests and rallies that have happened in your community? Um, yeah, I would say so. I would, I'm not sure like of the, I haven't read any news articles or anything detailing if there's been like the, the, uh, the types of protests that are going on. I know I, to my knowledge, based on word of mouth, it's been, uh, relatively peaceful. Um, I live very close to Harrisburg, the capital of Pennsylvania. I live like within yeah, I, it's a 10 minute drive down, down the road, basically. Um, I hop on the highway, I can see the, the, the Capitol building. And um, Harrisburg has a very, very large uh, black community. And it's it, it makes up a majority of, of inner city Harrisburg, I would say. And uh, so yeah, I've, I've seen um, I've seen some evidence of, of small protests here and there. I think there was a large one that happened uh, within the last 48 hours. And um, our governor, Governor uh, Tom Wolf, actually was part of that protest. And he uh, it was a peaceful protest. And he, he was just uh, making a verbal stand against against racism and against police brutality. And um, that was encouraging to see, you know, when when you're your governor is taking a stand and and showing that he doesn't stand for and won't stand for uh, police brutality or uh, or systemic racism or anything like that. And so I think that's that's the type of thing people need to see more of. And there needs to be more of is leaders 
tossing their hand in the ring and showing that they they stand with the people that they're governing and the people that they're in charge of and and how change can come from lots of people and also you know one person who who stands up and and is able to to make changes in the system where they need to be changed and so that's that's basically what's been going on around here so um i think that's uh, you know it, it was a proud moment for me to to see our our governor be part of that that's really cool that's really cool ben what's what's been going on in in your neck of the woods yeah i mean i'm i mean i think it's fair to say you know i live of course in southern mississippi you know, right close to New Orleans, I'm right close to a lot of things, and there's there's a huge mix, I think, in races and and different communities, and and a lot of uh, African Americans in my area, and I know a lot of them. You know, a lot of them are our customers here. In fact, it's arguably our best customers are African Americans, and so you know, but. I have heard of and I've seen some local protests, some smaller ones here because, you know, not a huge big city here. Um, and I've heard some stuff happening in New Orleans. And from what I've heard, everything has been peaceful, um, which is great. And I think a majority of the protests across the country have been peaceful, despite what the news might tell you. Um, you know, the, I, I think there's been a lot of good, peaceful stuff. And there's whole, unfortunately been some even more police brutality in recent days, which we won't even get into because it's another story. Oh, but, man. I've seen some videos that just twist my stomach. And, and, just, and just seemingly just further proves the point that we need to make this happen, that, that all these things that people are talking about need to happen. Um, but as far as thing, I, I've been pretty proud of my community that everyone's – there have been protests. There have been a lot of people. I've seen a lot of people on social media, a lot of people, you know, in person, you know, supporting this and doing it, you know, very peacefully, which, you know, is nothing more you think, you know, obviously, you know, in the South, it's different. I think people, yes, people perceive, especially the deep South where I am, you know, they perceive, oh, there's a bunch of racists down there. <laughs> and yes, I'm, I'm just... Down the way, I can, you know, I'm about a short drive away from the home of Jefferson Davis, <laughs> the uh, Confederate uh, president. And yes, it's a beautiful house, but uh, the guy that lived in it was, you know, hey, just, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> the point is, point is, I think as a community, as I've seen, I think we've turned a corner, hopefully. And uh, yes, there, there's there's some racists out there, but there's also a lot of good people that I think are supporting this. And then I'm very proud of you know them stepping up and thing. And I'm I'm proud to 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 say this, but hopefully get some change around because in my state, let me just bring up a local issue really quick. My state is the only state in the United States of America that still has the Confederate flag on it as part mm-hmm. of the flag. And that has been trying to overturn that for many, many years and has yet to. Now there's a petition out, um, which I encourage everyone to sign, um, trying to get it that changed. I'm fully in support of that, of, of getting that changed, because that's, that's a, I think, a, a stain on our state. And I think that that's just 
awful. Um, you know, that stuff belongs in a museum, not in a place of honor, not especially on our flag, not not where it represents our state. So uh, that's the long and short of it. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to see more. I hope more protests happen peacefully. Obviously, the riots have been, you know, somewhat understandable, but also not the right way to go. Not what needs to happen. So uh, that's it. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in this weird area where I am in support of peaceful protesting because we have the right to assembly. Like that's a constitutional right. Yeah. We have the right to assembly and the right to peaceful protest. The problem is there are people out there that are taking advantage of the situation and trying to turn it into something it's not. And depending on what media outlet you look at, some try to spin it as something that's really, really wholesome and really, really awesome. And they'll, 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 there will be PR firms that are posting images of cops kneeling with, uh, with citizens and then literally the very next day, that same cop is in riot gear pushing people to the ground, almost killing them. That is insanity. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. So there, there, there is one end of the spectrum that is like that, and then there's another end of the spectrum that is showing you know, the, the, the people that are tossing bricks into places and running out of targets with all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, looting the stores and whatever, the, the mob mentality – kind of taking advantage of, of really, really unfortunate situations. But like you said, I think there's this happy medium kind of in the middle that you really just need organic posting about it. Not, not necessarily a PR firm, not necessarily a news outlet, but just somebody that attended the protest saying, look what's happening in this town. And you just show the picture of people holding signs and marching from one place to the next and and let it speak for itself. Pictures are worth a thousand words, right? Just, right. Let, yeah. the, just let the pictures speak for themselves. Because um, there there was somebody that that took a photo um, in in my hometown where these protesters tried to loot a local Walmart, and people in the protest turned them away, saying, "We're not going to do that." Right. Yeah. And and, and there great. there are there are photos of police officers that are on bikes in the city of Fort Worth that had a had a standoff with some people when they were trying to enforce the curfew and there were hundreds of people and they couldn't arrest all of them and they were like I tell you what we'll go when you take a knee and they did and wow. guess what the people went home yeah like all it takes is establishing a dialogue and I think that's the thing that a lot of people are missing is when you establish that dialogue and you establish that trust and that understanding, then you're able to give way to so many other things. And and I think that's the ultimate hope for all of this is that we can establish that communication, that we can push for some of the things that the NAACP is asking for. And most importantly, we get justice for George Floyd. And, Absolutely. And, Jake, I, th I think this is a, a good place to, to talk about uh, George Floyd's um, his, his, the people that are responsible for his death. Right. And take a look at what has happened uh, to, to get us to this point. All of the protests, all of the rallies, all of the statements, all of the celebrities and, and people that are standing up uh, for George. And, and, and honestly, I feel like George almost became a martyr. Would you guys agree to that? Yeah. That, that it wasn't necessarily 
so many tens of thousands or millions of people that are upset over George Floyd's death. Obviously, that is a part of it. But I feel like that was also just the straw that that was the last straw. You know, yeah, yeah. We, we we've seen all of these other things, but George Floyd was the last straw. That's it. That's the one that broke the camel's back. And that's why we're doing this, not just for George Floyd, but we're doing it for Ahmaud Aubrey. We're doing it for, you know, so many other people, the ones that I listed earlier. We're, we're doing it for all of these people that haven't had justice. And it's time for, you know, it's time for complete justice. And I really feel like, in my opinion, we need to make an example of these four cops. And I feel like the justice system is actually doing that for once, aren't they? Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't all four of them being charged with some form of murder or aiding and abetting now? Uh, Yes. So situation. Yeah. So as of Wednesday, uh, they were all charged and uh, Derek Chauvin, who was the uh, cop that killed George Floyd, um, he he uh, was charged with a apparently a more serious count of second-degree murder. Uh, he had previously been charged with third-degree murder and second-degree manslaughter. So the second-degree murder charge says he killed Floyd without intent in the course of committing assault in the third degree, according to an amended complaint. Um, Chauvin was arrested last week and is being held at Minnesota Department of Corrections facility in Oak Park and... Uh, Apparently he has a million dollar bail. Um, and then the others, uh, the three other cops were uh, charged with, um, I'm sorry, I've got to find it here. Uh, aiding and abetting. Yeah. Like you said, um, aiding and abetting second degree murder and aiding and abetting second degree manslaughter. So yeah, these, this is, this is the justice. I think that the, that should be happening. I mean, justice for George Floyd, these, these cops who were responsible or, or, you know, one, one was directly responsible. The rest, I mean, I, I would say they're all directly responsible if they didn't try to stop it from happening. Um, they are, they are being charged. And I think, I think there have been situations, so many situations, like you were saying before, uh, at the beginning, I think, uh, Ben was saying that, so many or maybe it was Zach there's so many instances of of police brutality and, and people being killed and, and things that go under the radar um, and there is no justice for and this is uh, you know an example of when justice is served and so I I don't know what the end result is going to be I don't know how many years these guys are getting um, but I assume at least for Chauvin, who was directly responsible, um, that he would get life. I'm not sure, but that's that would be my guess. I mean, there are yeah. some people. There are some people that are calling for the death penalty. I don't know if that's going to happen, but yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. But at least, at least, life behind bars are there, a very, very long an, time. There's enough gray area, unfortunately, despite what we all feel while watching that video. I think there's still some gray area in how it happened that you can, you know, there's an argument to be made. I don't agree with it. I don't think anybody agrees with it, but you know, def- obviously the defense lawyers will be making the argument of, well, you know, there was, there's this underlying condition stuff, which I think is 
vastly overblown, if not completely made up. While I am glad that we are bringing the killers to justice, because that's what they are. We're we're not we're not going to call them uh, we're not going to call them cops. I'm calling them what they are. They're killers. They killed a man on the job. Yep. And so these killers are being brought to justice. However, I really feel like they're only being brought to justice due to peer pressure. That's true. I, and 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 this is this is the unfortunate reality that we are in right now. Is that this is this is a post that I also found on social media that is so true. It only took all fifty states, thirteen total countries, the internet presence called anonymous, celebrities that are speaking out, Twitter, the LGBTQ community, people of color, their white allies, the Amish, and K-pop stands to get a second degree murder charge and arrest all the officers. And the only ones that were really against that idea were the president and their fellow cops. Yikes. Think about the alliance that had to formulate in order to bring about change for this one circumstance. I am beyond thrilled that it happened. I am beyond excited that, (laughs) that literally Amish people and gay people are both against racism. Yeah. Like, this is a universal construct, folks. This is not a unique situation. You've right. got you've got K-pop stands and football stars that are both equally against racism. This is not some blip on the radar. This is not some small thing that is quietly on its way out. This is very pertinent and prevalent in our society, and literally everyone is saying that something's got to give. Yeah. And we're finally seeing it happen with these four individuals. But it is my hope and it is my prayer that as we get justice for George Floyd, we are also in the process of recognizing that we need to seek justice for anybody that's affected by police brutality and racial profiling. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's it's kind of funny when you think about it because you hear this all the time as a kid, but it's so true. And I, I feel like so many problems in the world would be solved if everybody just remembered this. And it is simply the golden rule that you should treat others how you yourself would want to be treated. And if if you wouldn't want to be discriminated against, if you wouldn't want to be treated differently than others and and. Uh, in just such a, a, a worse, so, so much of a worse way than a lot of people get treated. Don't do that to other people. Yeah, ex- exactly. That's that's a brilliant way to put it. And like ultimately, also like I, I see I see all the protesters and all the people speaking out about this as people who care, who care about their fellow human beings, and. The people that are, for some reason, against this, for various reasons, um, I see a lack of care. I see a lack of just, as you said, the golden rule of of trying to treat everyone the way you think you should be treated. Um, and just that's 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 it in a nutshell. The the care aspect of we should care about each other doesn't matter if we know each other doesn't matter what color you are whatever we should care and you should care about these things and there's not enough of that in the world unfortunately yeah 
No, I, I, I completely agree. I, I like. I know that a lot of what we've said may have been similar to what's been posted on social media. That it may have been similar to what other people may have talked about on other programs. But I, for one, am glad that we've had the opportunity to talk about these things and to to let people know exactly where we stand and and obviously i am very open to having a dialogue with people who want to talk more uh i'm very open to even having my own views corrected if i got something wrong during this conversation if there was something out there that i didn't get quite right then by all means let's talk about that as well because i i know that i'm not perfect i know that i don't have it all together i know that uh, I, I'm not the one that's going to, you know, bring about all of the change in this world. But, you know, I kind of think about that Michael Jackson song. It starts with the man in the mirror. You know, uh huh. If mm-hmm. if you want if you want to make the world a better place, it starts with you. Yeah. And so I think that's the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway that I've got from from this evening is I I have come to a deeper realization within myself that there's still things that I need to work on and there are still conversations that still that, that need to be had and this is not the last one that we're ever going to have but it's a very good first one so Absolutely. guys I, I appreciate your willingness to take so much time out of the program and, and talk about this we talked about it well longer than we originally put in the show notes <laughs> but there, there's just so much about this and there's so much depth to it. There's so much complexity to it that it's really hard to try and fit all of that into 45 minutes to an hour. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like even though we say that, like, like I really don't feel like that's respectful of this situation anyway to say, Oh, we're only going to talk about this for 45 minutes and then we're done talking about it. No, we're not done talking about it. We've only just begun. And, right. and 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 that's I think that's the part that that makes me both nervous and excited. However, we did have a movie that we were supposed to talk about this evening as well. And so it, it's interesting that we're talking about social justice right now because our topic of the evening is DC's Justice League. Right. Not the same kind of justice, but it's got the word in there at least. Um, but before we do that, I think it's only fair and fitting that we pay our respects to the departed, um, particularly George Floyd. He's, he's been the subject of, of a lot of conversations in the last couple of weeks. And uh, like I said at the top, my heart grieves for his loved ones and for the loved ones who have lost and, and endured so much with people that aren't getting the same attention that George did. And so um, we're going to we're going to take a a moment of silence here in in honor of the departed. And then when we return, we'll jump into a discussion on the Justice League. This is the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast broadcasting on Channel 1138, Facebook Live and coming to you wherever podcasts are found. We'll be back right after this.
Everybody knows that the dice are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stayed poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that the boat is leaking. Everybody knows that the captain lied. Everybody got this broken feeling like their father or their dog just died. Everybody talking to their pockets. Everybody wants a box of chocolates and a long stem rose. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that you love me, baby. Everybody knows that you really do. Everybody knows that you. Take a night or two. Everybody knows you've been discreet, but there were so many people you just had to meet without your clothes. Everybody knows. There is a stranger who comes to this village from the sea. Comes in the winter when people are hungry and brings fish. Comes on the king tide. That was last night. Talk. I believe that an enemy is coming from far away. I'm looking for warriors. This stranger. Others like him. Building an alliance to defend us. It's very important that I see this man. Barry Allen, Bruce Wayne. You said that like it explains why there's a total stranger sitting in the dark in my second favorite chair. He said he'll fight with us. More or less. More, more, or more or less. Probably more or less. He said no. He said no. Look, man, I don't know who you are, but whoever you're looking for. So you're fast. That feels like an oversimplification. I'm putting together a team, people with special abilities. You see, I believe enemies are coming. Stop right there. I'm in. You are? Just like that? Yeah, I... I need friends. Great. Can I keep this? I heard about you. Didn't think you were real. I'm real on 
that's useful. Arthur Curry. I hear you can talk to fish. All right, gentlemen, it is time to talk about a movie that we have previously discussed here on the podcast. And it was it was part of our movie reviews that we did when the movie came out. We usually wait a couple of weeks after the release, and then we say that we saw it in the theaters, blah, blah, blah. We talk about it. Uh, we're a couple Watching of years... a movie in a theater? What are you talking about? Right? That's, <laughs> that's not something that we do anymore, apparently. It's all going to be like Trolls World Tour, where it just shows up on our TV screens, and we borrow it for a few dollars. Oh, man. Uh, the innovations that we get thanks to technology. But um, we've been doing a, a DC revisit, you know, a look back at the DCEU. We did a lot of the original Christopher Reeve Superman movies. We did Superman Returns with Brandon Routh. And then we went into Man of Steel, uh, Batman v Superman. And now we've worked our way into uh, the Justice League, which... You know, maybe we should have talked about Wonder Woman. Maybe we should have talked about some other stuff. But uh, it, it's kind of been stuff that's pertaining to Superman. And it's been Superman focused. It's been it's been rather Superman focused. And so, you know, Superman is obviously in this movie. He's got a, a pretty big role in it. Um, and then the rest of the league is basically involved in trying to find a way to bring him back, following the events of the uh, the end of Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. So. I want to get you guys' thoughts, having taken the time to rewatch it, which I appreciate, because when I when I watched it uh, yesterday, I realized, oh my gosh, there are so many other things I could be doing with this two hours of my life, and instead I'm doing this <laughs> for the podcast's purpose. So, uh, first, a thank you for rewatching it, and a, and second, you're welcome. Anything for you. Oh man, don't don't tempt me. Um, <laughs> but I I want to get I want to get you guys' like second time through thoughts on this movie. Have they changed for the better, for the worse since the last time that we watched this film? Um, Jake, were you even on our last Justice League discussion? I don't know if you were. You know, I can't remember. I'm I might have been. I might not have been. I, I, I honestly don't remember. It was so long ago. But I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts on Justice League are, because I know you and I have had very similar opinions about the DCEU over the years, um, mm. particularly a, a particular suicidal film that pretty much. Oh. Um, so I'm, I'm curious what your take is on on this film now that you've had a chance to go back and, and dissect it even more than the last time. Yeah, I man. So me and my wife actually watched it and it was, this was her first time watching it and my second time, I believe. And, uh, judging by her reaction, she did not like it very much at all. She, <laughs> she was very bored by it. Uh, there were, I, I would say pretty much anything with Barry Allen. She could not stomach. It was like, it was like, uh, all the humor just fell flat for her. And it, she her final review she said this to me in the car today 
uh, she was. I was like, oh, remember when we watched Justice League last night? And she was like, yeah, that was rough. And I'm like, can I, can I just be a review? That was rough. <laughs> so that's her review of the movie. And, uh, you know, I kind of have to agree a little bit. Uh, I think, you know, like with any movie, there's some good, there's some bad. But I think the biggest problem with Justice League was that it was just really mediocre. It was just really middle of the road. Um, it was, it was just such a, such a, like if, if I were to assign this movie a color, it would be beige, I think. Cause it was just so like, so lukewarm to me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, does that make sense? Yes. But it, it reminds me of an episode of Parks and Rec where they, they, they were talking about how something something sounds like it was written by the color beige or something like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think I remember that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's so true. That's such a good analogy. I think when something's just so middle of the road or boring or, or mediocre, it's just the color beige, you know? Um, but that's, that's kind of how I felt about the movie. I think that's kind of how I felt about it when I first watched it as well. It was just, I, I think the the biggest disappointment for me about it was just the wasted potential. Cause this, this is one of the, the most boring villains of all time. It has to be uh, not just in comic book movies, but just in general, it, it, I mean, he looked like garbage. Um, he, he's pretty much up there with Malekith from Thor, the dark world in my thank opinion. you as far <laughs> as unmemorable villains. Yeah. And it was just, yeah, just a lot of wasted potential. I, I feel like they could have done so much more with this movie that they did not do. And we can get into more of it uh, here soon. But, yeah, that's that's my review. It's the color beige. A movie based on the color beige. Would you watch it? <laughs> Apparently, we all just did. Yeah. Uh, ben, yeah. Your, your thoughts on the color beige. Uh, I mean, Justice League. Yeah, this is, I mean, I, to be honest, I have no idea what I said last time about this movie. Like, I don't remember overly enjoying it. So apparently, apparently we didn't have, um, oh no, we did, we did have, we did have ratings, but I didn't write them down in the notes. I actually went and found our show notes from, uh, from the last time we reviewed Justice League. And apparently we did this episode right before Jedi Pod in Texas back in 2017 oh wow oh my gosh been a i remember while. that been a while since we've talked about this movie <laughs> like i said i have I think, no idea we're probably a little preoccupied at the time too because we're thinking about star wars next week and didn't really talk about this one all that much so i don't know right so yeah so i i don't know what happened on those but after revisiting it and watching it again for this show, um, I, I, I like there's it's so underwhelming. It's yeah. so as you said, the color beige. It's just vanilla. It's just, and it's not. It's not bad enough for me to rant and rave and go. Oh, this is horrible. This is horrible. But it's not as nearly as great as it should be. Right. It, it's just. Meh it is the definition of meh. It's just and like the biggest standout for me that I, I can think of is the, the 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 camaraderie between the characters. Like I think the characters kind of play off each other fairly well. I think maybe you can kind of see that Whedon influence in there a mm -hmm. bit. 
but and I think that's fun, and there is some funny jokes, and there's some good lines, and there's some good acting, and it looks pretty good as a movie, but it's just there's just not that much to it. It just it begins, and stuff happens, and it ends. <laughs> yeah. just, there's just nothing to it, and it's so sad because you're talking about Justice League, the first Justice League movie. This is this is in a world after the Avengers, after you know we know how great these superhero team up films should be and can be. And coming into this one, you're like, oh yeah, Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman and Flash and Cyborg all on screen at the same time. What could possibly go wrong? Well, well, we got Justice League, and say we can show you two hours of what could possibly go wrong. Exactly, almost exactly two hours, and it's just, there's nothing to it. It's just like, I don't even know what to bring up because there's nothing, like, I enjoyed discussing Superman 3 and 4 because they're bad. It's really fun to make fun of bad things. Right. But there's not even anything, like, glaringly bad in here. It's just nothing. Oh, I've got plenty, brother. I got plenty. Well, of- I'm looking forward to it. I just, there's nothing in this thing that's like, I just watched it and go, uh, uh, <laughs> like shrug yeah. my shoulders. What, what was that? What was that? What, 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 what were they doing? So, uh, you know, it was funny we were just talking about the Snyder Cut. Like, you know, I'm looking forward to the Snyder Cut because I don't think it could be any more meh than it already is. I yeah. mean, it, do you guys remember backyard sports like backyard football and backyard oh, yeah. football with Pablo Sanchez and Dmitry Petrovich and all of those types of characters. That's a throwback. Yeah, 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 yeah. So mm. I I remember playing that game. I wonder if it's on Steam. I need to find that game. I bet it's it, on Steam. It might be. Um there was there was one there was one version that I played where they had these play by play commentators where when the quarterback got sacked in backyard football, the commentator would say, Things can only get better for that kid. Because they sure can't get any worse, <laughs> and that's that, that's kind of my my perspective on the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Because, like, I don't think there's any way you could make a worse movie unless you used like the animators from Zombies or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it pretty much has to be a better movie. There, there, there's it's almost guaranteed to be a better movie. It's it's almost going to have better components and better elements to it now here's 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 where i'll draw the line i will say that pretty much everything leading up to and and through the fight underneath gotham harbor i i feel like the fight underneath gotham harbor was a better use of everyone's talents than what we got in the final battle at the end of the movie oh man I I I yeah would, I agree I, with that. Yeah. I would contest that using um, Batman's Nightcrawler, he's using his riches and his technology. I would contest that um, the Flash, you know, dashing in and out to save people, taking care of the innocents. Wonder Woman's bravery, choosing to take on Steppenwolf as a distraction while other people are taking on the Parademons and, and you know saving people and stuff. And then just when you think things are going to get really, really bad and you're underneath Gotham Harbor, you're about to be drowned, who should show up but a freaking waterbender with Aquaman and his powers? Heck yeah. Oh, he's <laughs> totally a waterbender, dude. 
He, yeah, absolutely. I've been watching Avatar: The Last Airbender, and he's definitely from the Water Tribe, guaranteed. But, but that's yes. besides that is beside the point. Um, but everybody's using their their abilities, and everybody's using their talents in in such a creative and cohesive way. I feel like that scene is very Zack Snyder. Very, yeah, very Zack Snyder. Yeah. What I don't feel like is very Zack Snyder is just about anything that happened in the final fight sequence. It was a it was a CGI fest. It was a bunch of gratuitous glory shots. It was convoluted writing and storytelling that may or may not have made a whole lot of sense. And no offense to Joss Whedon, but his fingerprints were all over that. There there was there was a lot of the parademon attack shots that reminded me of the alien invasion of New York, just grayscaled out a little bit. Yeah. You know, not as much color because you're in a very bland part of the world. But it, it, it was very reminiscent of some of the stuff that we got from the Siege of New York. And I I just I wasn't I wasn't a fan of that. I still I I I come at this as some I think the Battle of New York in the Avengers is quite possibly one of the best third acts of any movie ever. I, I think that yeah. is laid out incredibly well with, you know, there's a clear mission, there's a clear goal, what they're doing, everyone's doing their part, and it leads up to this thing, and everything ties in, and they close the portal, and they do this, and they send the nuke through. It's all just brilliant. It's brilliantly laid out. And this, they just show up, <laughs> and then Batman rides the Batmobile around, and then they go into the silo, and then Cyborg has his thing to do, and then Superman shows up, and then they just watch as uh, Steppenwolf is devoured by his parademons. Like, and that's how it ends. And I was like, I was watching it going like, this is this is the end of it? Really? This is how they defeat him? Yeah. <laughs> they just stand there and watch him get devoured? Like, come on. Like, it's just so anticlimactic. It's so like, oh, okay, this is... They didn't put any thought into this. This is just well, happening. Okay, so I think, I think, I could be wrong about this, but um, there's a point where when the mother boxes are forming into one, when they're forming the union, he says something to the effect of, for dark side. Yeah. I, 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 I feel like this was meant to be, uh, obviously this was meant to be like their version of the Avengers. That's why you bring in all these people together. And Loki was working for Thanos. Steppenwolf was working for Darkseid. Right. I feel like the DCEU storyline that Snyder had laid out was designed to make Justice League a smaller scale global catastrophe so that the next global catastrophe would be on par with the one that Thanos presented in the Avengers. And yeah, and 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 I think that may have been one of the things that ended up hurting this movie the most was that it didn't have that same sense of impending doom. Like I don't think there was ever really a time, no matter how many times they said that that Steppenwolf was set out to destroy the world, that Steppenwolf was going to do X Y Z. I was like, is he also going to take us on a magic carpet ride? That's what I was wondering. <laughs> that's that's that was my question. Why well, don't the fact that they the fact that they didn't work magic carpet ride into this movie 
at all is a travesty. <laughs> they were able to do like a a techno version of the Beatles come together during the credits, but you couldn't play Born to be Wild? Like, what is wrong with it? <laughs> seriously. Seriously. Uh, I mean, that's just, that's one of the minor grievances that I have with this movie, but I mean, uh, like I said, the stuff that helped bring them together for the fight in Gotham Harbor was fine. Uh, pretty much everything up to that point was, was alright. But I think the other problem that this movie had was it was introducing a lot of people. Yeah. It was it was introducing <laughs> Cyborg. It was introducing the Flash. It introduced Aquaman. Aquaman hadn't even had his movie yet. You're introducing three new members of your six-person Justice League in this movie. Right. That's- that's just not okay. Half of the team, like, okay, we had, like, Hawkeye, and, and I mean, Black Widow had made a small appearance at the end of Iron Man 2, but pretty much everybody that was on the Avengers had had their moment in the sun or in the spotlight in their own film up to that point. Like, to bring in half of the League in Justice League... That was a gutsy move that did not pan out well at all. Well, yeah, Marvel, what they've been good at, I mean, they've been good at pretty much everything uh, uh, over DC, but what they have been really good at is planting the seeds long before their main event comes. You know, you can't right. you can't bring the kid. I mean, if you like, I, I've said this a million times, but if you want, if you want your audience to be invested in the characters you have to start them off small get them used to the character have them appear a few times before you know the big event when you're you're sitting at the edge of your seat going is this character going to make it or not and when you just throw your character in the movie where they may die they may not die but that's your first introduction to them. You care so much less. And that's kind of how I felt now. I mean, as somebody who hasn't seen Aquaman yet, who hasn't seen Wonder Woman in a very long time. You uh, haven't seen Aquaman yet? I haven't seen Aquaman, but we're going to watch it soon. I'm going to watch Shazam and Aquaman <laughs> really uh, okay, soon here with my DCEU wife. The CEU revisit continues, my friend, because yeah. you need to see Aquaman and I need to see Shazam. So, like, I know what the rest of our schedule is going to be looking like moving forward. Heck yeah, I'm oh I'm down for it. Um, but yeah, that's like Aquaman should have come out first, you know. Batman, yes. give I, Batman a solo. I will say this movie I found more enjoyable now that I'd seen Wonder Woman I, and Aquaman. I, I agree. And, yeah. and it's 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 just more enjoyable. They're more enjoyable as characters with the hindsight of not just where they came from when you have with the Avengers, just like where they're going, and you just understand them more as characters, and it's and it's fun to have that payoff. That's what Marvel did so well, is that they it really, they, they made you wait. It wasn't just about, oh, let's throw these characters together. It was, let's spend some time with Captain America. Let's spend some time with Iron Man and Thor, and then it really will feel earned once you actually get to the Avengers, and it did. Right. Um, and I, I'm not saying that Zack Snyder didn't have a plan here. I think he absolutely did. Obviously, when you leave off of Batman v Superman, like obviously that's going somewhere. He had a plan. He was he was working this out as a you know this big, overarching story that he was trying to tell. And unfortunately, 
seemed like it was it was cut off. That's where we're getting the Snyder cut. But it's ultimately still it still it feels so ham fisted in a way, and it's not as smooth as it could have been because you're you know you're spending a lot of Justice League introducing these characters when you know ultimately you could should be kind of like establishing the threat and okay let's go do this we know these characters let's focus on putting them together and it is interesting to see them together but at the same time it's it's a lot to take in yeah and that's that's a problem with just about any movie though is when you are trying to do something that is heavy on exposition and heavy on action both of them are going to end up suffering. And I think that's what really happened in this movie the most. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and and some movies do it really well. Others don't. It just takes it, a strong you, writer. Okay. But what, what, what's, 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 what's an example, something that is heavy in, in action and heavy in character exposition that worked. Um, I'm trying to leave out superhero movies here. No, you, 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 um, can, you can give me an example of a superhero movie if you, if you want to, like, I, I'm I'm genuinely curious. I think I think I think okay. Here's here's a good one. Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, mm. that that one's an exception to the rule, though. Like Guardians is just a phenomenal film. Like, but it but it does film. it works and it makes you care about every single one of those characters because they and nobody. Batman doesn't but, make me but, laugh. Batman, but, but still, cringe and grind my teeth. No. <laughs> you you end up crying at the end of Guardians, and that's a testament to James Gunn's writing and the fact that he's able to sell all those characters to you in such a short amount of time. And none of us cared about those characters going in. I didn't know who Rocket Raccoon was. I didn't know who Groot was. Right. But you come out of that movie going, oh my god, these characters are amazing. And not only did they make me laugh, but they were incredibly emotional and deep characters also they and they all worked as a unit like they they are the guardians of the galaxy you know in a way that's kind of a character in its own just their team exactly. and I, I i almost feel unfair because I'm, I'm i'm comparing one of the best comic book movies ever to one of the worst ones which is <laughs> guardians versus justice league and i'm not saying every film needs to have thing like for example i like rogue one as a as a star wars movie and as a movie in general it doesn't have the best like example of character exposition some of those characters suffer they're kind of in the background more than others i still like that movie i don't think every character needs to have i think may have a backstory and you need to care about them so much but there are those rare exceptions where you have an ensemble cast that is introduced with no previous movies or anything and it works and it and it, and it pulls you in Right. But Justice League is not that. Yeah, that's, no. that's, that's that's the problem. Is Justice League is designed to be an ensemble cast, and you're supposed to care about all of these people. But when you're telling their story, and then like immediately you're like diving into that story, and you're you're forced to feel a sense of peril for those characters as the fate of the world hangs in their hands. I really don't think I would have cared one way or another if Cyborg had died in this movie. <laughs> but he was in Batman v Superman for two seconds. <laughs> but right. he, didn't, he didn't have enough exposition in this film, and he didn't have enough to to really make me wonder if he's going to live or die. Like I've seen BVS and this movie... 
Sorry. Nothing. I'm sorry. I think I, I was just talking over you when I shouldn't. It was – no, no. I was talking over you. Totally my mistake. I mean I, it, um, I was I was just going on more about Cyborg and how I wouldn't have missed him if he had died. Like it, it really didn't matter one way or another to me. Well, I was going to add to what you're saying. I just tried to add it on top of you was <laughs> that I've seen both BVS and this movie twice. I still don't know what Cyborg's <laughs> – origin story is right like, i just don't have like a full like thing of like what happened and why he's the way he is it's and, something to do with the mother box or whatever and he's a cyborg and he's got all these powers he doesn't know about and he's so, cool so but my understanding let me see if i can let me see if i can find this to, to back me up on it uh a former college athlete who after being cybernetically reconstructed after a nearly fatal car accident is turned into a techno-organic being enhanced by adaptive biomimetic alien technology, aka the mother box. Okay. So he he was a, he was a college football star on a scholarship, got into a, a deadly car wreck that had him on life support. His dad just happened to be a top scientist at Star Labs, and they used the mother box to bring him back to life, but they only were able to do so with cybernetic enhancements. He here's where. Oh, sorry. Were you done, Zach? Yeah, I'm finished. Well, yes, that I would love to see that story on screen. That would be kind of interesting and cool. I think that one of the main movies they should have done before this, like, yes, Aquaman. Yes. Cyborg would have been such a good movie before Justice League because we could have seen that origin story fleshed out uh, so much better. And we could have seen the tragedy that we hear described in this movie that he tries to bring across, but would have been better played out if we could have seen every stage of it where he's this, you know, football player and his life, his life gets turned upside down. Um, and he becomes, Oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Oh no, that was funny. That was, come on, come on. Give me props. Give me props. Um, but it, he, uh, it almost sounds like a Dr. Strange type of movie in my opinion. It, it kind of does. Like, like, like he he's got a great life. He's got a great future. Yeah. Yeah. Giant car wreck ruins the thing that he's supposed to be the best at, and he has to learn how to adapt with the new things that he's got. Correct. Right. Yeah, and that would be so cool to see as a movie. But also, it could have introduced the whole concept of mother boxes. Like, this is the first time we're hearing about mother boxes and what they do, what they're supposed to do, and it's so rushed and hard. it's gobbledygook. It's gobbledygook. And if we had gotten the cyborg story and also what a mother box was and what it could do, it would set up the plot of Justice League so much better and introduce us to the character of cyborg. Well, but yeah. instead, we just somehow found out that the ultimate infinite power of these boxes would somehow be able to bring Superman back from the dead, which is really all we needed from this movie was we needed to retcon the stuff that had the consequences from the previous movie. Yeah, the whole the whole I, I was surprised watching it this time because I, I I of course I remembered how things played out, but I was surprised this time of like how quickly they just turn on. Okay, we got to get Superman back. Okay, we've got these mother box. This will bring him back. He, and then they just put it in the water. They put him in the water, and it works. And then it takes five minutes of him fighting, and then he's back. He, and it's 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 just it's just like wow, that was easy. 
this was maybe the dumbest part of the movie, and you can correct me if I'm wrong if this wasn't explained correctly, but they go to all this trouble to bring Superman back from the dead, okay? And then he goes off with Lois Lane, and they go to fight the rest of them. They go to fight Steppenwolf without Superman. They don't even try to contact him to be like, hey, this is why we woke you up. Can you help us out? None of that happens. They just go to fight Steppenwolf and don't even bother to to bring Superman, who they went to all that trouble to wake up. It didn't make yeah. sense. No, it's it's okay, Clark. You can go just unwind, yeah. you know, and hang out with your girlfriend. Take a oh, I'm sorry, fiance. And you know, it's not like the world's ending or anything. You know, no big deal. Right. Well, and then it's also kind of like, oh, we went to all this trouble to bring you back to life, and uh, yeah. No, we don't. We don't really need you. We just thought we'd do this because we could. Yeah. Like, like obviously they were trying to bring him back. Like they obviously had a purpose. They had something that they wanted. They, they slash needed him for. And then I guess, I guess Bruce told Lois the plans, and she like started subtly hinting it to him. Which, by the way, it's technically trespassing for them to be living in that house because it's been foreclosed by the bank. <laughs> So, like, you're not even supposed to be there, and I don't know. It like everything about that felt so convoluted. Superman's like, a criminal. Okay, why? Here's the other thing. Why did the house need to be foreclosed on in the first place? Why? Why did she have to leave and and go to um go visit Lois? Why why did she have to do that? Why did because... why did mom have to go do that? They needed a reason for Bruce Wayne to come in at the end and save them with all of their money, all, all of his money. Yeah, and then and then like Bruce is like, "Oh yeah, I bought the bank. Ha ha, I'm I bought, rich." I bought the and, right. And then it's like, "Well, Bruce, why didn't you do that before? Like, why did you?" Which was you such a joke long? stolen from the Christopher Nolan Batman's when he buys a restaurant just so him and those girls could like swim in the fountain. He's like, uh -huh. "Yeah, I just bought the restaurant." Which honestly was definitely more of a playboy type of move. Sure, and I'm I'm glad to see that Bruce has res resorted to philanthropy now, but right. took him freaking long enough. Right. Also, also, also. While we're on that subject of of Bruce Wayne and and character change, and you know he's getting a little older, maybe thinking about settling down, the banter between him and Diana. Oh yeah. When, when she like what? pushed him what no just all of it like even oh, when, all of it. when they're in the when they're in the garden and they're talking to each other about all of that and it's yeah, very, yeah. it's very quasi flirtatious and then the stuff where he confronts her about steve trevor and you know and then the the, the innuendos that alfred makes on the plane he's like oh you're only interested in her skill set right like yeah oh creepy old man what is going on with you like mm -hmm. i don't i don't know like I guess that maybe I'm just not remembering my my animated Justice League, but I thought it was Clark and Diana that that had banter going back and forth. Do I misremember that? I think that's right. Be and it always made just, sense to there me because they're like there was just something off putting about having 
Batman and Wonder Woman in some kind of flirtationship. It just it didn't it didn't work for me. It kind of rubbed the wrong the, way. Just the the age difference between them just seems weird. Like you know she's she, he's too young for you, girl. Well, the whole dynamic. He is like sixty or seventy years older than him. So. <laughs> like um, well, bit of an age gap there. I think a lot older than that actually. Yeah, well, the whole, like, dynamic between Batman and Catwoman in the comics and in the, you know, various movies and shows has always worked for me because they are more on a level playing field. They both kind of do the same thing, just kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. She, she, well, both of them, they, you know, they dress up like one's a cat, one's a bat. They kind of go out at night and they kind of do their thing. And she's more of an anti-hero sort of because she, she steals things sometimes, but she also does you know, good things sometimes. Um, but they they are more on a level playing field. And that's how I've always felt about uh, uh, Superman and Wonder Woman. They kind of have a similar power set. They're kind of the same power level, I guess you could say, or very, more similar than Batman and Wonder Woman, for sure. Yeah, but Superman was dead for half this movie. Right. So he, so he, so she, she had to flirt say? with someone. Right. Right, because you can't have a strong female character and not have some sort of male love interest to counterpoint her. And I guess you, you he... can't. It's a law of Hollywood that you cannot have a man and a woman on screen without flirting. Just impossible. Well, I guess the most we could ask for is like a weird love triangle because they're. I mean, he is with Lois right now for sure, and I. I think that is one thing they've set up kind of well in this universe is the relationship between him and Lois. It, it hasn't always worked for me, but I think across the board they've set it up kind of well, and it's something that I believe. You know, they've been I through a lot together. Think, I didn't even think about the fact. That uh, yeah, Clark would be cheating <laughs> right. quickly. She would have to be out of the equation for him to have any interest. I think, but yeah, that would be awkward. Okay, but, here's another uh, here's another complaint that I have. Are we just on the complaint train right now? Yeah, let's, let's just let's just go there. Okay, let's let's talk about the fact that the whole poor purpose of the the unity or the the mother boxes is to try and make the world similar to the world that Steppenwolf comes from. It's another terraforming project. Right. It's like the Man of Steel thing all over. This with Man of Steel, where you're trying to convert the planet into your planet 2.0. We've already been there and done that. And Zod did it better. And like, is Earth the only planet you can terraform? You can turn your, turn any planet into a planet that is like yours and you pick the one inhabited one. Also, how did nobody in the writer's room go, okay, we literally used this same uh, plot device two movies ago? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. At the very least, it should have been, you know, a moment where Clark just like, what, again? Come on, guys. Right? That would have been kind of funny. That would have been a good line. That 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 might have been entertaining. Then they would actually recognize their faults and i can forgive like shoddy writing if they like bring attention to it and go like oh hey it's another death star (laughs) oh you mean kind of like when rex turns around and goes eh i didn't much like being a commander anyway (laughs) (laughs) that's called a retcon my friend (laughs) it's a self retcon which is quite ironic (laughs) but i i i i just Oh my gosh! Here's the thing, Kieran Hines, 
the guy who voices Steppenwolf. I really hadn't gotten into Game of Thrones uh, the last time we talked about this movie, but I have been involved in it since then. Kieran Hines plays a character in Game of Thrones by the name of Mance Raider, who mm. is a revolutionary that is trying to fight for freedom for his uh, nomadic people that live in like these outlands far away from anybody else. And he calls himself the king beyond the wall. Like it's a it's a very it's a very strong character, and he's he's very he's a very good leader, and and he he's bringing people groups together that had never been brought together before. I loved his character, Mance Raider, and now when I'm listening to Steppenwolf, all I can hear is Mance Raider. I I, I can't even see Steppenwolf. I can't even hear Steppenwolf. It's like like I said with Malekith in Thor: The Dark World. I don't see Malekith. I see the Doctor. Yeah, in, in in fancy makeup, I don't see Steppenwolf anymore. I I see Mance Raider from Game of Thrones, and that's unfortunate because most of the time, if you take a look at, you know, let's let's say uh, Gal Gadot, let's say Henry Cavill, uh, even Amy Adams to a certain extent, Jason Momoa, there are certain characters in this movie that they embody their their character. Like, you look at them and you go, oh, yeah, that's Lois Lane. Oh, yeah, that's Superman. Oh, yeah, that's totally Wonder Woman. But I look at the primary villain, the guy who is supposed to be the destroyer of this world, the one that we are supposed to fear, and all I can see or think or hear is another character from another series that he's part of. Like, he he doesn't even command his own presence in the movie. And that was also frustrating to watch. Yeah, it, Steppenwolf is such a meh villain. Like, so meh. He's just a, a big gray monster. No personality. You don't know what his motivations are. You don't know what he's trying to do. It's just, he's just there. And it's so, like, could have been a really interesting villain. And maybe, maybe Zack Snyder can make him an interesting villain in the Snyder Cut. Um, maybe he was in one case or another but like fingers crossed it's, he's just nothing he's just he was, again he was that's a, a nothing pawn. villain he was he was a pawn because i think apocalypse was supposed to be like the thanos the problem was steppenwolf had no previous appearances and he had no real charisma on this screen as opposed to loki being a pawn in the avengers but loki's got some gravitas to his character like He's able to stand on his own, even though you know he's not the primary villain. You know that he's a big enough threat for the here and the now. Steppenwolf, we know that his nephew Darkseid is like the true villain, the true mastermind. And and yet it doesn't really matter because what he's trying to do right now, it just it didn't feel very threatening. It didn't feel like there was actually a real crisis to deal with. It was just like, oh, there's a bunch of harpies flying around. We need to corral them. I will try and gather all the people that do weird stuff, and we're all going to go and punch them in the face together. Like, <laughs> that, that's basically what that there's, final battle felt like. There's nothing really threatening about purple tentacles zigzagging in and out of the ground, which is basically what happens at the end of the movie when he, you know, he's quote unquote terraforming. Uh, it looks pretty dumb. I'm just gonna it, say it, it. It looks like something out of a hentai. 
Yeah. There are people that really like the end of this movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen enough hentai to know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. I'm not I'm not going to take it any further than that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but let let's let's try and look at some of the positives of this movie before we 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 close out the evening. Like there there were some elements that could have been bright spots. Like I, I don't know. I'm really having a hard time finding something. You're fishing for compliments? I can come I, up with I'm some try, compliments. I'm really trying to come up with a few, too. I'm trying to fish for some some bright spots, some things that we say that were, were actually good takeaways from this movie. Because even with all the cluster that it, that it was, by making Steppenwolf survive, there's the potential that he comes back and he's fighting in Darkseid's army should there be a second Justice League film, he could be one of the generals that is leading the charge for the conquering of Earth. Like, that, that is a potential outcome, one of the many potential outcomes. But, you know, there, there are just, there, there's other nuances about this film that could be appreciated if we took the time to. So, please, somebody, help me out. Let's find at least one thing that we thought was praiseworthy from this film. Um... I will say that the performances from pretty much everyone around are solid and great. Like, I, I even, you know, I, 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 I genuinely like Ezra Miller as The Flash. I like Jason Momoa as as Arthur Curry. Like, I think the I think it was great casting. I think they're great as these characters. Um, and there's a lot of good camaraderie. As I said, I don't know if that's Whedon's, Whedon's influence or just what was in the movie to begin with, but them playing off each other is fun to enjoy. Probably some of my favorite scenes are just them talking. And, you know, <laughs> one probably my favorite scene is uh, Aquaman just kind of going off and saying yeah. all this when stuff. We're all going to die. He's confessing stuff because he's sitting on the lasso of truth. Yeah, that was oh God, funny. you're gorgeous. We're all going <laughs> to die. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's sitting on the that's a that was a genuinely good gag. It it just needed more of that and it needed it needed some action and some drama to back up that thing. Otherwise, you know, just have him in a comedy club just right. up on stage just saying jokes. Like it's not a superhero movie. It's just thing like, you know, it, that doesn't work. It's one of the elements and they got one of those elements right, but not many others. Yeah, I'm gonna have to disagree with you about Ezra Miller because I, oh, my sick. wife didn't didn't like the humor. I didn't like the humor either. It none of it landed for me. It was really kind of awkward. I don't know. It was like it it was like bad take after bad take or something like that. It was like I I can see a version of any of his scenes where it could have been better. Maybe if he read the line better, delivered it better. I haven't seen Ezra Miller in anything else to to compare acting chops uh, with, uh, you know, various projects or anything like that. But for this this particular instance, it really kind of came across uh, poorly, poorly delivered to me. And uh, it, it kind of made me cringe whenever he came on, on screen. You know, anytime he would talk, I would just be like, shut up, please. Here's the here's the really scary thing about Ezra Miller's casting. How many hundreds of people sent in audition tapes and his was the one that was chosen? Right. I mean, I 
I don't deny that he's a good actor. I'm sure he is, and he has been before. I just don't think that he, his delivery was great here. And it, I think maybe I could be a little biased too because I've I'm so used to seeing Grant Gustin as Barry Allen, and and from I after we watched the movie because my my wife has seen the Flash too the show, um, I pulled up that that little cameo that Ezra Miller made. You know, spoiler alert here, but he kind of makes a little cameo in crisis on infinite earth and grant gustin meets meets ezra miller's flash and it's kind of a cool moment and i i kind of brought that up just to show my wife just to show her this cool cameo he made uh and just it's cool to see him interact but also i kind of wanted to see just how they came across on screen and even in that i grant gustin beats ezra miller time time and time again just in line delivery and it was just another example of of his line delivery and and it just proved to me more that maybe ezra miller isn't the best choice for the flash i don't know it's funny you say all this because i'm not sure i'm not sure if ezra miller is gonna be playing the flash anymore just just a hunch just a hunch considering what was it? A few months ago, there was that video that came out of him literally choke slamming someone in a bar. Yes, you're right. You're right. So he's, you know, I don't want to judge him. You know, he might have had a woman of weakness. Maybe he was drunk. I don't know what was going on there. I hope he's doing all right. I hope the person he choke slammed is especially doing all right. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, he, he might be canceled now. I'm just saying. I I'm mean... just saying. And he and you know, I don't know. They they may be looking. For I mean, we don't even know where this universe is going after this. Once they get the Snyder cut out, like, is is are we getting more of this? We know there's Shazam two coming on the pipe, but like, the Flash movie's never gonna happen. Right. Like, it's changed directors fifteen times and in fifteen different release dates. So like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, okay, but that was that was a negative thing for me. I we were talking about positive things. I think for I, me, I, a big. I'm gonna I'm gonna say one last thing about. Oh sure sure. If if I may, um, I think the one thing I did enjoy about him was that he had, he, he's got a different life from the Barry Allen of the TV shows. Yeah. And his is more that of very raw untapped potential. And yeah. he, he is, he is living a life of somebody who is basically a social outcast because of his circumstances, because of his mannerisms, because of his family and all of that stuff that happened. And he's trying to navigate life while also navigating these powers, which is the stuff that we saw in the convenience store and um, just some of the other aspects of his life. Like when he's going to visit his dad and he just like draws the face on that on the, on that dude with the with the marker like yeah. he really doesn't know what to do with his powers and he really doesn't have anybody who can help him. And that scene in the in the in the undercarriage of Gotham Harbor where he gets told just rescue one person that's yeah. all you need to do. just rescue one person like in that moment he had a friend in that moment he had a mentor in that moment he had a place where he belongs and he was able to utilize that untapped potential and do something good with it those right. are things that we got in like the first five episodes of season one of the flash yeah and then we were able to take the character forward from there. Trying to do all of that in a movie is a bigger undertaking. And 
in in that regard, I feel like his character was kind of put in a corner, and they just had to make the most with what they had available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I, I don't know. I don't know what was going on there, but okay. uh... <laughs> the, the 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 good takeaway that you had from this movie, Jake. Oh yeah, it was yeah. So there were a few things for sure. I think some of the main ones were like you were talking about, Ben. Just some of the the dialogue and the banter between the characters. Like some of it right. really landed for me, and some of it was fun, and and it it was kind of nice to have a little break from the mindless action and the the in my opinion terrible cgi uh and just have some fun character moments have some fun conversations and that i think the mcu does that really well and i think that's that's where the dcu could do really well too if they kind of uh didn't focus so much on the action have the action still but also have good conversations have good dialogue between characters that really does a lot for your universe i think um but also i i really kind of enjoyed that intro segment uh with batman um i with the parademon and the and the the guy he was using as bait i thought that was kind of fun i really liked the whole wonder woman sequence you know just kind of these characters and their elements doing what they are known to do which is save people stop crime these things and it it gave me kind of a glimmer of like what the dcu kind of could be and what it could feel like and I also really, really enjoyed the the last part of this movie when it kind of shows everybody uh, going not not necessarily going their separate ways, but all all doing their own thing. You know, you see Superman come around the corner and and unbutton his shirt like he's about to take off, which is so classic Superman. And right. um, uh, and when Bruce Wayne walks into the the that old building there, and uh, he's kind of talking about setting up the I, i'm assuming is going to be the hall of justice and the yeah you know, we'll put a big round table over there with six chairs and i love the line from uh, uh wonder woman she goes but room for more and that kind of gave me like a little excited feeling that's like that's one of the only times i've been kind of excited watching these dcu movies where i'm like ooh, what's gonna happen next you know uh, but we'll see. Who knows if anything will happen next? I think the future of that kind of rides on how the Snyder cut of the Justice League does and how the reception is for that. Because I, I truly believe if that kind of is 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 good and that is off the charts, they will reconsider opening the book again on the Justice League and maybe uh, get more of a unified vision for what the the DC universe as a whole is going forward. So moments like that were really good, made me happy, excited, uh, bright spots in the movie for sure, and made me kind of hopeful for the future of the DCEU. Well, um, I think aside from the fight in Gotham Harbor, like that's probably my favorite scene, if I'm being honest. That fight uh, in in the abandoned facility under Gotham Harbor is the best part of Justice League, in my opinion. It's a good scene. It's a good scene, I agree. It, it's it's yeah. probably my favorite scene. It, Like I said, everybody uses their abilities in a way that helps and in a way that makes sense. Mm. The problem is you weren't able to stop him, and and that, that that's, that's the toughest part. But if I had to pick another sequence that I thought was a bright spot, um, it would actually be the flashback that happens during the first battle for Earth against steppenwolf oh that is good it was probably like the one piece of exposition that i actually really enjoyed where you see 
Amazonians, Atlanteans, men, and the Green Lantern Corps. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. Together to fight Steppenwolf's army. Like that little itty bit, that little cameo of the Green Lantern Corps made me feel like a sense of excitement. Like, ooh, maybe we could see Hal Jordan one of these days. You know? Yeah. It, it, it gave me this hope that's like, wow, the Green Lantern Corps exists in this universe and they helped defend Earth millennia ago. That means there's a potential for them to come back at some point. Right. And so it was it was just really cool to to see that fight because uh, I, I love I love the way Amazonians fight. I love the way Atlanteans fight and the way they all divided up the mother boxes reminded me of the way they divided up the rings in the Lord of the Rings. Exactly. <laughs> and my, and that, my, that, that big yeah. fight reminded that me is of, cool. the, of the prelude, whatever you want to call it, the. The, the, the preview to the Fellowship of the Ring. Like, it felt very much like in the vein of that. And I think that's and another reason why I enjoyed it so much. One mother box was given to the elves. <laughs> one mother box to the Atlanteans. The other yes. one for safekeeping to the Amazonians. And one to the realms of men. Yes. Who above all else desire power. Which is ironic because the mother boxes are defined as pure unadulterated power exactly oh i mean there's definitely some parallels in there let's be honest let's be honest but touching the boxes doesn't turn you invisible the way it works with those movies but (laughs) that'd be kind of cool okay so we talked about the lows we talked about some of the highs um let's talk about favorite character before we go into final thoughts and planet scores which character from the league or just from the movie in general worked the most for you? Um, for me, I think the standouts were, I thought Batman was really fun in this. I, I don't think he should be a inherently funny character, which I think the, the it's kind of to the detriment of him in this. He, he is cracking a few too many jokes for my liking for for being Batman, but he was still a likable character, and I, I liked his role in the league. It's kind of like the the leader brought everybody together, and he had some cool moments. I also thought Diana was strong in this, and her uh, how she played off certain characters and was kind kind of like the mother of the group. I, I really do feel like Batman and Wonder Woman were kind of like the father and mother of the Justice League here, um, and you know I. I may not have liked uh, Ezra Miller's Barry Allen, but whenever him and Cyborg were together, I kind of liked that dynamic. The kind of, uh, I don't know. I, there were a few moments in here where I'm like, I could see some potential with these two in particular. Um, but yeah, for me, I think maybe Batman and, and Diana. Yeah. Um, for me, I I think. I think Diana probably. I feel like I feel like Wonder Woman in this one. I mean, she overall she's one of my favorite DC characters um in, in the DCU and you know, I really liked enjoyed her movie. I think she's the most layered character in this movie. Mm. She's got a lot going on. She's obviously she's one of only two characters in, in this movie that has her that has her own standalone film at this point. And she's got a lot going on there, implying a lot of stuff. And obviously, you know, Batman opens up a lot of wounds for her when he starts talking about Steve Trevor. 
and you know that that's the whole thing she talks about how she hid herself away and I think she has a lot of guilt about that and there's a whole there's a lot of stuff going on with her that I think I, I really enjoyed and she has a great action sequence off the top and a lot of action in general and just and and she's interesting the fact that she's one of the few people that can actually stand up to Superman when when it comes down to it so that was a lot of fun I, I also want to just add one more thing I think a big reason why she may be a standout is in all this, you know, the talk of Steve Trevor and her past and things, why they, why they pack more of a punch is because we know who Steve Trevor is. We know Wonder Woman's backstory. Yep. We've seen the movie and that is why you need to set up your characters. Yeah, exactly. When they, he starts mentioning that and you're like, Oh man, like there's nothing else in the movie that, that clues you in on that. But when he mentions that name, everybody that saw Wonder Woman is like, Oh damn, that's a, that's a, that's a move right there. Yep. That's a bad move. Yeah. It, it cuts a little deeper when you have the context. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I think one other thing that I really liked about, um, Diana's character in the, in this film was the time, the, the moment when she's meeting cyborg for the first time, he starts interfacing with the computer that she's sitting at. Yeah. And he's she's she's talking to the screen and he's presenting words on the screen and she says something to the effect of like if I wanted to fight you I would have done so in in the in the forest or in the garden or something like that. And yes. it's like yep. an acknowledgement that she knew he was there but chose not to engage him at that time. Like she's very aware of herself and her surroundings and aware of the timing timeliness timing timeliness timingliness you know i can do words she's she's very aware of the proper timing and the proper way of engaging with somebody and met with him on his level rather than dictating the terms i thought that was i thought that was really cool yeah that was also one of my favorite lines is when she makes it obvious that she knew he was there at the lake and that was a good instance of like not treating your audience like an idiot, you know, is it's when you make a you suggest that she knew that, you know, and your mind just kind of goes, oh, she is smarter than than uh, or not smarter. But she she knows what's going on more than what you, you may have thought she did. You, t- you turn to that one guy from Jurassic Park. Clever girl. Clever girl. So now we're comparing Wonder Woman to a Velociraptor. That's where this show has gone. I think both big, both sexy and deadly. The biggest sin you're making, Ben, is comparing Justice League to Jurassic Park. Also I did true. no such thing, sir. Also true. You're In any capacity. Between Justice League and one of the greatest movies of all time. <laughs> Dare Not even going to go there. Not even going to go there. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, for me, the character that hit home the best, uh, it's probably going to be pretty obvious, Aquaman. Like, Jason Jason Momoa just plays that character so incredibly well. The one thing that I noticed that kind of rubbed me the wrong way this time around is he's supposed to love the ocean, right? He's supposed to love the ocean. He's supposed to love the creatures that live in it, and yet... They do this glamour shot with him where he's like walking out of a bar and he's drinking whiskey straight from the bottle. 
And number one, he doesn't even finish the whiskey, which is quite a waste. I saw and, that. And number two, he tosses the bottle into the freaking ocean. <laughs> yeah, uh, litter bug. That's called pollution. <laughs> but other than that, other than that, um, his his fighting style during the final battle was really cool because he he basically surfs on a parademon. Yeah. Like he sky surfs on a parademon and he's like riding all along on the side of the Batmobile, almost like on a sidecar type of thing. And he's like, you are crazy. And then Batman's like, I'm not the one who brought a pitchfork. Right. Just, yet the pitchfork worked rather well. And he held his own using it and kind of set the stage for trident type battles that we saw in the movie Aquaman. That's a little bit of a spoiler there, Jake, but it's not the last time we're going to see him use a trident. Right. And so it really, it really set up his character pretty well. I wish we had gotten the Aquaman movie first, but the stuff that they did include got me excited for Aquaman the first time I saw it. And now it kind of helps make his character even more complete than, than the movie makes him. So Mm -hmm. I, I just, I like Aquaman. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait to see it, honestly. I, I hear, I keep hearing that uh, Aquaman, Shazam, and Wonder Woman are the best the best movies in the DCU so far, which isn't saying much, but I, I think that they hold them in particularly high regard, uh, which makes me pretty excited to, to check them out. It's, they're, they're, they're worth the watch. In my opinion... We we have not gotten a DC movie as good as Aquaman, period, since The Dark Knight. Yeah, high praise. It, it's it's pretty high praise because I mean I I've I've enjoyed um, a bit of what DC's had to offer, but um, nothing quite as solid as Aquaman's movie was. But that's not the movie we're talking about tonight. Let's go ahead and get into final thoughts and our planet scores for this film because we didn't give planet scores to them last time, or even though we may have, they weren't in our show notes from over 100 episodes ago. The last time we talked about this movie was episode 173, and we're talking about it on episode 287. Wow. So it's been a minute. And I don't know if we had Planet Scores integrated back then, because in the show notes for episode 173, it says, rate the film zero out of zero to ten Superman mustaches. <laughs> because they had to CGI out his mustache. Yeah. Oh, man. Still there. So, uh, Ben, final thoughts and Planet Score for Justice League. Oh, okay. Final thoughts. Um, this movie is just okay. It should have been one of the best movies ever. Should have been one of the best superhero films ever. But it's just not. It's just nothing. It's just there's nothing to it. And it really makes me sad. And it, you know, I, I should, like, I, because it's funny, one of the reasons why we ended up doing this is because we were trying to decide on, you know, decide what we wanted to watch this week and what we wanted to discuss. And I said, well, I was going to watch Justice League anyway, because I did. I really I wanted to revisit it and, and go watch it again and, and see all, all the all the fusses about and, you know, just just for my own enjoyment. Um, and I just didn't get a whole lot of enjoyment out of it. It just wasn't anything to it. And that sucks because I think this movie has a lot going for it. 
has a lot of great characters with a lot of great performances and some a lot of talent behind it. But it just doesn't cut the mustard. It really does not. And it's it sucks. And I hate to say that, but it's not nearly what it could have been. Hopefully the Snyder Cut will be, and we'll we'll discuss that when it comes out. But for right now, uh, I'm going to give this one a 5 out of 10. A 5? Ooh, boy. Yikes. All right, Jake, you are up, my man. Uh, Well, I guess I would say that my final impressions are that it's just kind of, like Ben said, it's just mad. It's just so so middle of the road and uh i guess i would i would put it this way it's the cinematic equivalent to a deflated balloon in in that it's just such a wasted opportunity and such a it's the culmination of a not very well set up uh team of characters and um it can be directly compared with the first avengers movie and that worked so well because you're invested in all the characters and this one not not so much so uh, for me, I would give this. I would give this maybe maybe not as low as five because I I do think. Oh, but I say it's like so middle of the road. I feel like I feel like five might actually be perfect. You know, I I, I can't I can't really argue with a, a directly middle of the road rating. So Ben, I'm gonna agree with you here and say five. Very very interesting. Uh, it's been a while since I've given a rating that low to a film, and I, I I just don't know if I can bring myself to do that. Because in spite of all of the problems that we've had with this film and all of the complaints that we've issued so far, I did still have some laughs. I, sure. I did still see some things that I was like, oh, that's that's interesting, or oh, that has some potential. Or I'm looking at this going, that was a cool scene. But then I'm also looking at other stuff going, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that. Like, after they've beaten Steppenwolf and they're just looking out over the landscape, that's when they do the gratuitous money shot of all of them and you see the entire league standing next to each other. Like, the timing of that was all wrong. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like yeah. why is that your, your banner graphic that people are going to be taking screenshots of after saving the day? The, the Avengers, they've got it in the middle of the battle, you know? Yeah. Like, that was that was freaking beautiful. But that one was just, ugh. Anyways, I just, I like the fight scene in Gotham Harbor. I like some of the exposition, but not all of it. I like that the villain did not die and has the potential to come back. If the DCEU had been continuing... You know, I might have been intrigued to see Steppenwolf try and get his revenge with Darkseid's army at his back. You know, there were some things in this that 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 could have become redeeming somewhere down the line, but they never panned out that way. Um, I like I like you guys have said the the camaraderie and the the togetherness was building in this film, and I wish that it had been building a little bit more. It just it wasn't the best blend of all the components that we needed. And that's that's the unfortunate part. So I I'm gonna give it a six. I'm gonna give it a six That's fair. I, I almost gave it, it a six. It's it's still pretty low in my book, 
but not as low as as like a four or a five. But I know plenty of people that would justify giving it that. So, and you're you're not alone in that because both Kenny and George in our chat give it a six as well. Okay, well I I've been following the Facebook chat on our Facebook Live, and Michelle was contributing to that during our previous discussion, but um, haven't been able to take a look at 1138 very much. So uh, thank you guys for sending that in. I'm going to add that to our show notes so that we have audience scores as well. And if you're listening on um, if you're listening on Facebook, send it to us in the chat there. If you're listening after the fact to the edited final version on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, someplace like that, find us on social media at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and send us your planet scores for Justice League, and we'll add it to our aggregated totals here as well. So Absolutely. Um, that's that's it for our Justice League discussion. We've got one other element to talk about before we call it a night. Usually we have two, but we talked about barbecue off of the top of the show. This one is going to be kind of circling back to our previous discussion. We were talking a lot about social justice. We were talking a lot about Black Lives Matter. And what's interesting is there are TV shows that have been advocating for this type of thing uh, before George Floyd uh, even made the news. And so um, what's really interesting is even a comedy show can have moments of brilliance, like very, very deep, dramatic brilliance. And uh, we got that on an episode of the TV show Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I presented this to you guys as a, as a potential quote of the night, and thankfully you, you jumped at this opportunity. It's a fascinating look at uh, what it's like to be to, to be a black man in the community and to what some of the things that you think about. And it, it's particularly interesting because the character Terry, played by Terry Crews, is uh, a sergeant in the uh, NYPD in this show. So he's got he's got both sides of the picture. He's got the police side of things, but he's also got the black man side of things. And so I figured this would be a really, really great microcosm of some of the things that our black neighbors are thinking about on a daily basis. So without further yeah. ado, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to turn it over to tonight's quote of the night. Terry, I know you're upset, but this is the right thing to do. You're this close to the city council position, and that's just the beginning. It would be a shame to jeopardize that. Look, I get that the guys at our precinct wouldn't profile me, but it still happened. Only one precinct over. Which is why you need to keep pushing forward in your career so that you can change the system. Terry, you're a great cop. You could become a chief or higher. How long will it take to make change that way? Maldak is on the street now. You know why I became a cop? Please share. Because when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a superhero. Stop it! Stop bothering little Tickery! Or what? Or I will defeat you! Whoa. I wanted to help people like that cop helped me. But right now, I don't feel like a superhero. I feel the opposite. When I got stopped the other day, I wasn't a cop. I wasn't a guy who lived in a neighborhood looking for his daughter's toy. I was a black man. A dangerous black man. That's all he could see. A threat. And I couldn't stop thinking about my daughters. And their future. 
and how years from now they could be walking down the street looking for their kids Mumu and get stopped by a bad cop and they probably won't get to play the police card to get out of trouble I don't like that thought and I'm gonna do something about it so I don't care if it might hurt my career I'm filing that report even if I have to go over your head to do it damn wow. this is a that's this is a comedy show guys that's a great scene though and I love also the fact that this is a scene that puts a spotlight on and something that I'm not sure we mentioned off the top is there's a lot of black police officers yep that yeah. are caught in the middle now of you know trying to do what's best but also you know it's just I, I can't imagine what they're going through right now um so yeah Terry Crews, who is a, just a wonderful human being, yeah. In general, um, in real life, um, glad to see him kind of taking that situation in the in the fake Brooklyn Nine Nine world. Brooklyn Nine Nine is an awesome show, you guys. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. It's yeah, just, I want to watch it. It's funny, but it's also very poignant, like that scene was. So great characters, great character development, just a great show. And uh, this was a really great show of the IPC podcast, don't you guys think? Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. I think it might be one of my favorite ones so far. Like it, it, it was, it was, it was topical. It was relevant. It was, it was fun. It was funny. But we we took care of of all the things that I feel like we needed to take care of tonight. But as we mentioned during our first segment of the evening, this is not the end of the discussion. It's only the beginning. But I'm glad that we got to get that conversation rolling tonight. So thank you guys Absolutely. for doing that. Ben, where can the folks at home keep up with you when they're not listening to this podcast? They can find me on social media at Ben Hart with new with at Ben Hart with no E if I say it right. At Ben Hart with no E on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, I want to say Google Plus, but no, it's uh, Instagram, and uh, also at the SWU and at Cultural Slate. Uh, Jacob, what about you, bud? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jake Damon. You can find me on Instagram at Jake W. Damon. Or check out my art account at Jexpatch, J-E-X-P-A-T-C-H. You're just, you're just so social, bud. You're so just, social. You need, to, you need to put that in the show notes so that we don't forget it next time either. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> or, if there's, or if there's an episode where you can't make it, we got to be able to plug all your stuff. Because uh, I would have forgotten. Um <laughs> You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zach the Voice. Uh, the Instagram page, there's a period in there, Zach dot the Voice, because some dude took my name. But um, yeah, those are the places that I'm really the most active. Or on our primary social media account, IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We also have our episodes published on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, IPCPodcast.podbean.com. And StarWarsUnderworld.com, you can find previous episodes there as well. A big thank you to the patrons of our program. Things were a little out of order tonight, but we can't let this show go without saying thank you to them. Joey Mays, Jake Damon, Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, Parker Ott, and Carrie Fleming, they all help keep the lights on here at this program. And if you want to become a patron, you can find out more information by going to patron.podbean.com forward slash IPC podcast patron dot P O D B E A N dot com slash IPC podcast. Well, dudes, this has been a really, really fantastic episode. It's, it's been something that I wasn't expecting us to end up talking about, but I'm glad that we did. 
and uh, I'm glad that we had the time to use the platform in in a hopefully positive way. But that yes. is going to do it for this episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. Episode 287 is now officially, quote unquote, officially in the books. For Ben Hart and Jake Damon, I'm Zach Arnold. And as a reminder to all of you out there, Black Lives Matter. change for once in my life it's gonna feel real good gonna make a difference gonna make it right as i turn up the collar on my favorite winter coat this wind is blowing my mind i see the kids in the street not enough to eat Who am I to be blind Pretending not to see them need A son of disregard A broken bottle top And a one-man soul They follow each other On the wind, you know Cause they got nowhere to go That's why no one yet to know
To all, a good night, and be good to each other, please.